Welcome to Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcast, your weekly dose of many discussions and opinions, a show where we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And remember, no topic is off limits. Now let's talk about it. I am. All right. Yay. So I swear I'm a singer. I'm not. But I get so excited that I start to sing sometimes. <laughs> it's disgusting. I really am. <laughs> it really is. I swear I'm a singer. Um, shout out to a good podcasting friend of mine, Courtney, today that we're recording. It's his birthday. And I swore I was going to sing him my best Rihanna version of Happy Birthday. It ended up being Marilyn anyway. It did not go Rihanna at all whatsoever. But it entertained him, so that's what matters. But shout out to him. We are recording on Court's birthday. Definitely an old guest that has come on the show. Um, so I'm sure he's going to listen to this too. But um, in my best voice here, welcome back, guys, to another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Miss D. And today, y'all, oh, I am so excited to have this guest here today to have a very open and liberating conversation. Uh, if, if you're new here, just know this is not new to anybody else who has been here already. On this platform, we get comfortable being uncomfortable and no topic is ever off limits. And if you know Miss D, Daisy, I like to share my stories, okay? But one of the things I've always been extremely, extremely comfortable with ever since I discovered comfortability in it has been in my own skin, my sexuality, just who I am, just feeling very free and very comfortable in all the discomfort that I've tied into it and it's growth, right? And so today, you know, I, I used to do the intros myself, but now I'm like, no, I'm here giving a, a space and a mic to someone. I'm going to allow my guests to give their intro. So I have a pretty dope guest today. And would my guests please introduce yourself to the Double Dose of Raw Talk podcast listeners? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ana Lopez. I'm an MSW and an MED. I love having letters after my name. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I am a certified sex coach and a doctoral level psychologist. I'm the owner of Sex and Spanglish and the founder of Latin Better One Symposium. Um, so I work with Latina women to shed the shame they have around sex and sexuality, and I teach them how to have guilt-free pleasure. So particularly as it relates to sex, but that could just be like sitting on the couch without feeling like super guilty. So. I love it. It's just sitting on the couch without feeling super guilty. That is so dope, honestly. Also, sex is Spanglish, y'all. You have to be there <laughs> to know what that's like. But I love it. I, I, okay, this is so meaningful to me because, um, growing up, right? You would, I, I would never be around the conversation with the ladies talking so freely. Except, and I don't say names here because I never like to incriminate anybody. So if any of my family members are listening and you were there, don't comment, don't say it, okay? But when somebody was getting married and there was a bachelorette party, okay, and we had dancers come on board, all of a sudden, all the ladies felt comfortable, right? And they would start mm -hmm. talking and all this stuff. But for me, it just became a thing of, well, why don't, why, why are you guys so different? Like, why are you ladies so different when it's just a private with the ladies? And then like in front of everybody else, you weren't. And it wasn't that they were, they were being fake. It's just, there is a stigma in growing up very Latina that it just, there was no comfort in being able to be open. Right. 
I never saw it. Okay. I remember I would see some of the, you know, the, the moms, I can't put on the skirt. It's too short. You know, who's going to say that or, or this, that, and the third. Like, I remember these things. Y'all, Miss D has been wearing many skirts for as long as I can remember. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and it shall continue because I embrace my body. I embrace my thick legs. Even in my thinnest moments, my legs have been thick. Okay. But I remember certain things tying into a woman's body and a woman's comfort and, and what is so stigmatized or not allowed. Right. And so I am very excited to have you here today. I want to be able to highlight so much that you do. Um, that seemed bed once that symposium. Oh, that's like a whole vibe. <laughs> I might have to like do like a little clip, like translating and that's okay. We'll do that. That's not a problem. But, um, there's just so much substance in what you do and that service that you provide. It's, it's the, like you could go hold on to it and hold on to it tight. And I'm just so excited that you're even here joining me to have a conversation like this. So thank you for coming on board, Anna. I really appreciate it. Of and we're going to get started. So on the show, we always start with something that we call raw mess of the week, right? And raw mess of the week is usually something of a highlight, like a breaking news, usually like social media trigger that, you know, might be relevant to the conversation or, or somewhere along the lines. And so I want to discuss a little bit of this, this breaking news that came out, I think it was like a week and a half ago. I don't know if you know who Larsa Pippen is. Do you know who Larsa Pippen is? Vaguely, yeah. She's okay. married to Scotty Pippen, right? Yes, I know more yes. about Scotty Pippen than I know about her. But anyway, continue. <laughs> continue. We know Scotty. Yeah, we know Scotty, right? Larsa's like, you know, reality TV. Sorry, sorry Larsa. But listen, um, so it's like a whole mess. I mean, this is not even raw mess of the week. She's like raw mess of 2022 into 2023 type of shit, right? <laughs> At this point. But there is something that came out. Um, She's part of a, like the that reality TV show. And during the reunion, she comes out. There's context to this, right? But she comes out and she says, for 23 years, she had sex with Scotty four times every single night, right? And Josh dropped. Everybody was like, what? Like, even when he was on the road? Like, what are you talking about? And so, listen, in that moment, I said, all right, she's overdoing what she's saying, right? But it made me think to myself, right? It made me wonder just for 2.5 seconds, right? If you know me here, there's a thing with 2.5 seconds in me, right? <laughs> Don't ask me why. It just sounds good, right? But it made me wonder just for a little bit, just how realistic is that, right? And realistic more so to the comfort of our bodies, right? Is that really desirable four times every single day, every, every single night for 23 years? There is actually a post, and if you allow me, I want to I want to bring it up. Somebody did the mathematics to this, okay? Um, and they posted the mathematics to this. It oh, was wow. very comical when I saw it. I I like died laughing. Um, but I just I want to give the grand total of what this is, okay? And somebody said this is a total of thirty three thousand four hundred times that this woman has had sex with her husband. Well, now ex husband uh, Scotty Pippen, right? Yeah. See, my my point exactly. That's like a lot, okay? So in the spirit of being very comfortable and connected, right? Us as women, right? Um, with our bodies, with our sexuality, but also thinking of what that's like being committed to someone, being married to someone. Where does that comfort exist, right? And having that level of intimacy 
Or does something like four times a night, every single night sound a bit of a routine, maybe a bit of, is it your obligation? Is, does it come with the duties? What does that sound like to you? Give me a little bit of insight on what you're thinking when you hear something like that, because it kind of threw me off and I'm not going to lie. It absolutely did. Yeah, totally. So a couple of things come to mind. So the first thing is like, what are you defining as sex? Because like sex is like this huge, you know, thing. Um, (laughs) So what does that mean? How long Mm -hmm. is it lasting? Um, You know, there are times where I've had sex four times in a day. Did I do that for 23 years? Absolutely not. I mean, (laughs) credit, I'm only 34. So (laughs) there's, there's, you know, uh, that part. But yeah, um, I mean, I guess anything is possible. And I would want to know, like, what does sex look like? It could totally be that she felt obligated to do so. Um, It could just be not to say that she's like, lying but it's potentially she could be like exaggerating for a myriad of reasons right like maybe trying to implicate him because I also remember something about she like I don't know she like cheated on him I know nothing about celebrities honestly but like she she like cheated on him or something right okay so then like saying that people are going to be up in arms and automatically assume that he was the one because there is this societal assumption that men automatically want more sex than women which isn't necessarily true um so i think there could be some like exaggeration whether intentional or unintentional um there's like so many things that could be going on so all that to say (laughs) like it could be possible and i don't think that it happened but that's just my thing. <laughs> so I love, I, this is why I wanted to bring this to light, right? Because I, I, something deep inside me said, I know Anna's going to ask the right question, right? So it's like, well, how long did it last? And what exactly do you define as sex, right? And, and, and those are the first two things that actually stood out to me. I said, 23 years is a long time to be with someone. And so looking more or less what her age is today, you definitely started off young with him, right? And so thinking of who you were then and to what your understanding was then about being a wife, your your duties, right? Or what was sex then to what you're realizing sex is today at an older age, right? Um, because let me tell y'all, I don't know if there's a manual on this, but somebody should have said that once you hit 30, Sex is a whole new world, okay? And I'm 37. <laughs> Nobody explain this to me. It's so different from your 20s, okay? I just I just want to put that shit out there. But I, I did think about that. I did think about it. And I said to myself, wow, like, to be able to say, like, what this total may look like. But what was it really? How how has that grown with you as, as, a, as a woman? I'm a woman, too. I can sit here and reflect back and say, you know, from the point that I started having sex and having that experience to where I am today, I know how that has evolved for me. I know mm-hmm. how I've grown as a woman, right, through experience and just learning myself, learning my body, learning how to please myself, right? And realizing, oh, no, girl, that was not pleasure. That was something different. You know, th- yeah. this this is different, right? And so it made me think a little bit, right? And of course, there was a lot of mockery tied into that. Like I said, somebody like sat there and literally did the math to this, which was like hilarious to me, right? It was it was yeah. hilarious. Uh, I, I, it just made me think a lot more, you know? And it made me wonder, I, I just wonder, 
if anybody who isn't having that magnitude of, of amount of times of sex with their partner who they've probably been with 15 years is questioning their entire marriage, is yeah. questioning their entire life, right? Totally. So, yeah. So as you were saying that, I was like, wait a minute, we're comparing apples and oranges in the first place. Because a lot of the reason why, so yes, things change as you age and you may want sex more or less or, you know, differently, whatever. So yes, that is a thing. And also as people grow, typically they have children. And so, you know, things happen or they have other familial responsibilities. So that means sex often gets put on the back burner or you're just having it less. Not that it's not important, but it just happens less. And that's typically what happens, especially with, you know, dual income households where people are, you know, both working and things like that. Right. So when we are comparing ourselves, I mean, I haven't been married for 15 years, right? But like when we are comparing like Joe Schmo from down the street to Scotty Pippen and his now ex-wife, like they have money and still have money, right? So there's some type of like financial privilege that's involved in that, which means they also have the luxury of having sex more often, which sounds Mm -hmm. kind of silly when you think about it, like, oh, the more money you have, the more sex you can have. But also financial stress, is super common. It's actually one of the top leading factors to divorce. And so it makes sense that the more money you have, the more sex you're going to have. Anna is going to teach y'all today. (laughs) Um, No, I'm so passionate about this. So what, and you know, my listeners know this, anybody who has to know this, I am divorced, right? And I was divorced very young, also quickly followed by, uh, before was the wedding and then followed by a divorce, right? And I don't take that experience for granted. I don't take everything that I learned for granted. But one of the things I definitely wanted to commit to was learning for myself. So if one day I do get remarried, right, I get married again and I I commit wholeheartedly that I don't fall short for myself, you know, that I don't, I'm not oblivious to certain things, right? Daisy at 37 is not who she was at 22, right? Or at 21, right? So so keeping up with who I am today, really getting to know myself, rediscovering myself and so on. And so one of the things I've made it a commitment to is a lot of my friends are married and I love maintaining myself around love. I love keeping that energy and keeping that type of, of, of concept, right? And examples around me, because I know nothing is perfect, but that doesn't mean there's no love. You know, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you don't get to see wonderful couples still learning how to communicate and growing together. Right. And with that has been learning through them as well. When, when as friends, you know, we hear stories and it's like, okay, you know, like you guys are growing too. You guys are learning one another. You guys have been together for so long. Right. And so for me, it's so important to keep myself around that. Right. So I know that at least from my growth level, if I ever do stumble over, you know, the one, maybe, you know, the second time around it's the one, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of those things. Right. I'm not afraid of you know, the surprise of a financial hardship can affect a relationship, you know, and it can impact our sex life. You know, I am 37. There's plenty of women having kids at 38, 39, and 40. So I can't say the shop is entirely closed because I don't know what any universal power is going to want to want for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be honest, right? So maybe someday that might happen and then kids become a factor, right? So I don't want to be blindsided by that. And I've been able to keep myself very realistic to that, right? And seeing some amazing couples around me still push forward, you know, and still and still sustain their relationships and maintain very strong. But it's such a reality, right? When we think of sex or having sex and all this other stuff, 
people don't think that people don't think that it is possible for someone who doesn't have those financial hardships to be able to have more than enough time to have sex. People don't think that, you know, we, we think that because we're living in our shoes. No, that can't be. No, that can't be. Like, well, what's wrong with me? We start those questions, right? Um, so I appreciate you highlighting that, getting right to the point on that, because a lot of people don't like to talk about that or they don't like to face it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so totally. it's important to highlight it for sure. Um, so, you know, that's all I'm going to give Larsa because she messy. And <laughs> me and my best friend, we had a whole conversation about this. And I was like, oh, I don't think it was her plan to like, date her son's teammate you know because now she's with michael jordan's son but Uh you know i I don't think that was her plan but all right she messy she messy messy so we're not gonna make this all about (laughs) larsa um we're gonna go into the as raw as it gets segment and i would like to shine a little light here right and discuss a little bit of what does the modern mujer look like and our sexual liberation. And in this, I definitely want you to highlight the Sinvergüenza Symposium. Um, so what does that look like to you, the modern mujer and, and, and us being sexually liberated, right? With knowledge, with power and the ownership of, of our bodies. Yeah. So I want to start. So I have my own definition and <laughs> before I give it out there, I want to throw in a caveat, which sounds weird because usually you do a caveat after the fact, but I'm going to do it first. So a lot of times when we say modern mujer, when we say like, oh, a modern day woman, people automatically assume that I mean like you don't cook and you don't clean and you don't serve your man and you don't need no man and like all of this, which fine. If that is what you want, then that is fine. What I mean (laughs) by the modern mujer is they are not like pigeonholing themselves into, I have to do this in order to survive. Because back in the day, our moms, our grandmas, great grandmas were literally forced to be, I mean, I guess, depending on where they were in the world, but like forced to be with a man because they needed the finances. Like there was no other way. And so, especially here in the United States, like women weren't actually allowed to get credit cards on their own until the 60s. And so like you actually needed to be married in order to have money. And if you didn't have brothers or a dad that was willing to provide you with finances, then it was really hard to have money, any substantial amount of income, right? And so when I think of the modern mujer, I think of having the ability to fend for yourself in the sense of like, yeah, physical, you know, safety or whatever, but also just being able to provide for yourself even if you are with a man that is providing you in the providing for you in the traditional sense of like working and giving you income or whatever that looks like for you in the event that he is no longer able to or he just doesn't want to anymore or you decide you don't want to be with him you are able to survive on your own as women have done for millennia mm. oh i love it i love this it, it, it this, i you know the universe spoke to me and said 
to to hit this topic, it has to be Anna. And I just knew it. I knew it. From the moment I started following her page, I knew. Y'all go see her page. You're going to see it in the show notes. Y'all going to see some hot takes. And I told that I was going to mention it here because Anna does not hold back. And I love it. I think all my listeners, all my friends, all my family should go follow her on Twitter. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So here we go. No, honestly, I love, I love, this is why I wanted to highlight this so much with you. I love how you were able to highlight this and amplify it so much, right? When it comes to us as ownership of our bodies too, right? Because it begins somewhere. It begins somewhere where, you know, where that need was, right? And and not necessarily that we have to, right? There is a possibility of something different, right? When we are talking about aligning all our liberation, including our sexuality with our power and our ownership of our bodies, right? How does that look like, you know, and, and history lesson, right? I'm helping one of my babies over here write write a paper on women's rights in general. And I said, the way you're going to highlight this it's not just about the reproductive system, it's the history of women's rights in general, mm-hmm. right? And where we are today. And and I, I feel wholeheartedly that it all ties in. You let somebody mess with one part of a woman's livelihood, okay? And then everything is up for grabs or under attack one way or another. So mm-hmm. when we think about the ownership of our bodies, right? Today, in this day and age, right? When we think about being comfortable in our skin, right? When we think about loving our bodies, loving ourselves, right? And let's just throw it out there. A lot of women have just in their thirties discovered how to please themselves, right? What does that look like for you and what you do with your service and your expertise? Yeah, totally. So, um, as you mentioned, I run a group program called La Sinvergüenza Symposium, which means the essentially Sinvergüenzas without shame. So to give a little yes. background for people that don't know, <laughs> the yes. word Sinvergüenza is often used in the Latino community as a derogatory term against women. So it's like, oh, you don't have shame is essentially what they're telling you, as if that is a bad thing. Also, keep in mind right. that the Latino culture is highly rooted in um, Catholicism and their teachings. So, you know, it's kind of like a bad thing if you're not shameful because that means you're against God and blah, 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 blah. So right. <laughs> that is why I created the Sinvergüenza Symposium, which means essentially like a symposium, like without shame, right? So I teach my ladies how to shed all that shame that they have around sex and sexuality. Now, shame can be kind of like a weird word for people. Some people have like, like, I don't know, do I feel shameful? Do I not? And they're like, it can be very... Uh, like a hard term for people to grasp. So if shame doesn't really resonate with you, I also think of it as like embarrassment. If you feel embarrassed about your body in any capacity, if you feel embarrassed about talking about sex, I'm not saying you have to go around like shouting from the rooftops like I do, but if you are embarrassed talking about sex with someone you are having sex with, then that is an indication that you are feeling some shame around sex and sexuality. If you feel embarrassed to bring up hey, I have a yeast infection or something is going on with your doctor or telling your partner, no, I don't want to have sex because X, Y, and Z is going on with my body, then that is an indication that you have shame. And this isn't to like talk down to anyone that is having those emotions, but it's important to recognize that that's what's going on because you don't have to feel those emotions. And so my goal with my clients is really to have them recognize 
like what emotions they are feeling because many of us don't know how to process emotions, especially those of us that were raised in Latino households. We're supposed to like shove things in the rug and we don't feel, we don't have feelings and team no feelings and all of those things. And the fact of the matter is, is one, we all have emotions, pleasure being one of them. And when we don't allow ourselves to experience these like quote unquote negative emotions, so sadness, anger, whatever, that we're supposedly not supposed to feel, then we also aren't able to feel things such as happiness and excitement because they're experienced similarly in the body. We're also not able to experience pleasure. And the way that I talk about pleasure with my clients is that pleasure is an emotion. Because when you think about it, when you're having a good time, when you're hanging out with your friends, when you're having sex, when, well, for some of us, when we're having sex, when we're, I don't know, when we hear our kids laugh, right? Or when we're eating our favorite dish, whatever that is, and we're having a good time, that feeling, that sensation that we have in our body is pleasure. And so for me, pleasure is, is an emotion. It's a physical sensation that we feel in our body. And that pleasure is created by us. It isn't created by the meal that we're having. It isn't created by the friends, by the partner, by the dick, whatever. It's not created about any by any external factors. They just happen to be there. But we're taught that like, oh, all of these external factors are what brings us happiness. But what actually creates the feeling of happiness or pleasure is our thoughts. And that's really like the main thing that I teach my clients is I teach them how to generate those feelings, they already know how, but they haven't realized that like they're the ones creating it. So they're abdicating all their power to like, oh, the, like the, I don't know, the toxic ex with like the good dick supposedly, right? Or like whatever it is, they're abdicating all yeah. of the power. And so for me, like really embodying the idea that pleasure is created by us and only by us is so empowering because if my partner is having a shitty time in bed, I can still have a good time because his ability or inability to experience pleasure has nothing to do with me. And that isn't to say that I don't want him to have a good time, but if my pleasure is my responsibility and his pleasure is his responsibility, imagine how differently you're gonna show up and imagine how better of a t much better of a time you're going to have which probably means your partner is also going to have a better time right mm -hmm. because if your partner is in a bad mood you're probably in a bad mood as well and vice versa so if you're having a good time your partner is going to have a good time as well more than likely I absolutely think I <laughs> oh you absolutely did this is actually this is this defines you know the ownership of our bodies that it, it starts so okay let me be the first one to admit because one of the key components in admitting that you have a problem is admitting it, right? Okay, mm -hmm. so here it goes. I was definitely that person who used to like tie in all of those emotions, right? To that guy, to that mm -hmm. toxic, right? That toxic dick, right? I was that person until I realized like, no, homegirl, wait a minute. You really have to sit with yourself. You have to rediscover yourself. You have to really be in tune with yourself, love on yourself, right? Uh, understand that this comes from within me, right? And, and, and the reason why I realized I had to do that was because this is why I was like totally, I'm going to say the word for lack of better wording right now, rejecting others because I was tying it into, well, that guy is not giving me what he gave me. Right. So I'm just mm -hmm. not feeling that. And it's like, no, this is my responsibility. I have to do this work. This yes. is the part of me that got lost in the sauce. And so Daisy got to, got to rework this. Right. I realized that. 
I'm not going to say a little too late because I don't believe it's ever, never too late, right? But I did get to realize that. And I don't think that a lot of us women, right, even in our 30s, right, considering years that we may have as experience or maybe some who, who started at a later age, right? I started at a very young age, right? You know, I, I feel like because it's it's never been like a safe space for us to talk about it, right? Or because the one who does talk about it all the time sometimes is made to feel like, oh my God, did you just say that? I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me. And, and I'm very comfortable in speaking about it in general, right? But I can't tell you how many times it's it's happened to me. And and it's like, I know you bitches are not prudes. Like, I know this. You know, I know this for 1,000%. But it's made me realize what is it for them that makes them feel a little bit, like, shameful or, like, embarrassed to talk about these things, right? Why aren't they feeling in, in their own power, right? To be able to be comfortable to have these conversations because in actuality, it's one thing to like sit here and talk about that sexual experience. It's another to talk about real conversation for us as women of what we're comfortable with, what we're not comfortable with, right? How did I discover this? How did I try this out? How did I learn myself, right? Am I able to feel comfortable enough to tell my partner, no, I don't like it this way? Or yes, I liked that. That was great. And again, that's all coming from how I felt in that moment, right? They are not mind readers. I, I cannot tell you how many friends that I know are comfortable enough, but then you have those few that are like, well, he's just supposed to know. And it's like, no, that's not how this works, right? Do you know? That's the first question I ask. Do you know what you like? Do you know what makes you feel good? Do you know in what moment you feel great? What makes you have that feeling inside you that makes you feel warm, calm, at peace? Because even that has been a wake-up call to me, Anna. What I used to think was pleasurable, I'm now discovering oh, no, no, there's other emotions to what pleasure is for me. It's different. Now, and again, I tie this into in the 30s, y'all, because in my 20s, it was all different ball game. But in the 30s, it's so different. And I don't know if it's, a, if it's an age thing or just like with time, the growth, right? The self-discovery, right? Um, so I, I love that you just highlighted that so much. I have a question because this is actually in my notes. And I, I'm like, I knew this is why I wanted her to talk about the scene that went that piece, right? Um, my mom used to say, whenever I used to say anything really that was, you know, against anything Ecuadorian, y'all. And you know my shadow, I love her to death. I love my mama. But um, I was, I've, I've always been, till this day, you know, whatever's here, it just comes out. That's it. And any topic, right? And she would say, no te da vergüenza. Aren't you embarrassed? You know, aren't you ashamed to say? And I was like, no, why? We're human. Everybody goes through this. Just nobody says it. Like, what the hell? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why, why would I be embarrassed about something like this? Like, I know I'm not the only one. I'm just the only one who says it out loud, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's frowned upon. You know, that's something that it, it, it used to happen all the time to me. I think now it's a little bit more different. So shout out to Lachado for being more, you know, open-minded, my mama. But, you know, <laughs> back then it was like, oh my God, teasy. Like, why would you say that? You know, it was like a heart attack. When it comes to shame, I want to know from your experience, but primarily with, with clients and, and even just on the platform you have created, how do you put in the work to encourage women to not feel shame or embarrassed or 
ashamed in general to not identify with that or help them through it just by everything that you put out there? What is your commitment to that piece with the platform you've created? Yeah. So I heard this somewhere and I wish I could figure out the name. I swear one day I'm going to figure out who said this because <laughs> I have no idea who said it. And I know I heard it on a podcast. The problem is it was a guest. And anyway, so the person that was on the podcast who I don't know the name said mm -hmm. that shame has no name. So essentially, mm -hmm. if you do not talk about it, whatever it is, in this instance, they were talking about money, but this goes for sex. This goes for I don't know, drugs, any other taboo yeah. topic that you can think yeah. of, if it has no name, then that is grounds, like breeding grounds for shame, right? Because mm. if you have nothing to hide, there's nothing to be shameful about. And so I do this in multiple ways. I think the first way is just me sharing my story and sharing information on all the social media platforms <laughs> that you can yeah. think of, um, you know, being on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those, TikTok, all of those things, just showing up. And also I think showing my face as well. So it's one thing to show, to like use words and all of that. And that's great. And I think about showing my face and also doing it in Spanglish and sometimes just in pure Spanish, simply because, and also referring back to like the Latino culture, because it's like, oh, okay, this is just like another, it could be like, oh, this is just another white person like talking about sex, like, okay, fine. But when people see themselves in me, that is a way for them to be like, oh, this is for me too. Like, this is okay for me too. And again, I'm not saying that people got to go shout it from the rooftops like you and I are, right? Like, right. <laughs> but just seeing that other people are doing it, it brings this sense of like groundedness, the sense of comfort that like, it's okay to do so. And that's also why I created a group program. Like, the, well, the first part of why I created a group program, the Summer Winter Symposium, is because we, as a culture, we are very like family oriented. And so I wanted a space where it was like, you could just come and hang out with the comadres, hang out with your friends, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. and also get help at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. And also if you're seeing, again, a bunch of people talking that look like you talking about the same things, then it's like, oh, this is okay, right? Like, it's right. fine. And what I also notice brings a lot of shame is because people, yes, they feel shame because on one end, they feel like they're not supposed to or like they're going to get in trouble, but also because they don't know what they don't know. So they're embarrassed to admit that they don't know, right? Like, I don't know about my own body. How am I supposed to tell my child? So I'm just going to tell my child what my mom told me, which oftentimes means nothing or very little, or what I learned off of, you know, TikTok or whatever. Um, and sometimes it's misinformation and sometimes it's not, but a lot of times it's not the entire truth or like all of the information. And so really just by educating as well, just even if someone never works with me, just by learning the basics about their body, about sex, all of those things really learning all of those that all of those like old wise tales that your mom told you are like not true <laughs> you yes. are, it's it's really a way for you to have confidence in your own body because that is a lot of the reason why people don't have confidence in their own body is because they don't know how their body works i don't know how many yes. people i've talked to that are like have multiple children and they're like oh i don't even know what my vulva looks like and i'm like well that's interesting but like let's talk about it yeah yeah, um, yeah. no you're right you're absolutely right um this just came to my mind when you were explaining this, right, about children. I I remember that the, the virginity talk, okay? Mm -hmm. 
And it went like this. If you let a boy touch you, that's it. You lose your flower. That was a virginity talk. It was tied into a flower. Why was it tied into a flower? I don't know. Lo and behold, my name is Daisy. Don't ask me if it was the Daisy flower. No, but <laughs> it, it was tied into a damn flower. And that was it. That's all the explanation I got. Because on top of that, God forbid we mentioned sex education. That that wasn't either tied into anything. Because then to explain sex, edu- sex education, you got to explain the body. You have to explain, you know, this part and that part and, and his and her. You, you have to explain so much. Then it gets even bigger, right? Then going to school here and discovering that, oh, it's not just a boy and a girl. Oh, okay. So now we have to learn something else here, right? And I never had those conversations or that education from home. There was never opportunity for that at all. And I and realizing it now more and more, it's so deeply rooted into these cycles, right? The, the And I call them vicious. I'm sorry. I have no other word to call it other than vicious cycles where it's that same storyline. Oh, well, if you let them, t- if you let him touch you, that's it. Um, you're deflowered and that's it. That's the mm-hmm. end of it. You know, there, there was never a real education basis on, on understanding things. And it makes me wonder why perhaps maybe, I mean, I would love to say this is why it's still happening today. We still have teen pregnancy, but back in the day, teen pregnancy was like huge, you know, pregnancies mm-hmm. at a very young age was happening because they did not understand a lot or there was no education or you just were not allowed to talk about it, you know? And, and so for me, the other day we were talking about our birth stories, just a group of grown women, just talking about birth stories. And we didn't realize that our children were listening and our children are teenagers. Okay. And our children are young men. And so they're listening to the birth stories. And one of them said, wait, you can have your period all nine months, even if you're pregnant, like they just ran out. And that was the question. And it's crazy, right? Cause it's like, wow, a young man didn't even know that, right? Where is still the sex education today for a lot of these kids, right? To understand how the body works. What is a vulva? Right. What what is that? What does that look like? You know, and and there is still a lot of lackings. I want to say I feel like that's what it is that we're still dealing with. Um, I, I want to ask, um, how does it look like to you in your own personal experience? You know, I want to get to know this part of you a little bit more. Did you ever experience that growing up at all? Any of the shame? Did you ever experience, you know, the taboo about it? You know, and and. How did it lead into you being here today and the service that you offer? Yeah, totally. So I think I have a really unique perspective, which I think is exactly why I'm here today. So I'm glad I have this perspective. So I was raised in two different households. So, excuse me, I had my dad. uh, My dad is Mexican and his wife at the time was also Mexican. Um, And then my mom is actually German. And so I was raised in like school, um, school years, I guess, with my mom. And then I would come out in the summers and I would visit my dad and I would stay with my siblings from his wife and, you know, be with them. And so Mm -hmm. the way that those households were run were vastly different. So my mom was always really open about sex. Um, She always talked about, I think it was less about sex. Like she mentioned it here and there, but I know that she was very adamant about teaching me about my body, the proper way to wipe, the proper way to wash. Um, she was very adamant about, um, like people touching me, like it was inappropriate. And so I had a male pediatrician from the time I was like 
one till I was like, I don't know, I guess 18. <laughs> um, and I refused wow. to see anybody else. And I don't know, I just really liked him for whatever reason. And so my mom would always go with me whenever he like examined me, if I had to do a physical or whatever. And I just always remember her telling me, this is only okay because he's a professional, he's a doctor, and I'm also here in the room and his nurse is also here in the room. And he would be telling me the same thing. The nurse would be telling me the same thing. And so I just really remember like them being really adamant about that. So I was never really ashamed about my body or anything like that. I also from a really, I still hate clothes, but I always hated clothes. So I was always like running around naked. Whereas my, my brother from my mom was very, I don't want to say a prude, but he was very like modest, very conservative, wanted to cover up. And I was just like, I don't let it all hang out. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so I don't know why I was just always like that. So it was like, I never felt like I had to hold myself back from like asking questions or anything like that. And then when I would come to my dad's house, it's not that I was necessarily asking questions or inquiring about things. But I noticed that the conversations were very different and it was very like almost as if I was like the black sheep, even though I was like the youngest one. It was almost as if I was the black sheep because I was so outspoken and I was a girl and that's like, you know, weird or whatever. And and then as I started getting older, I have some cousins that are, I don't know, maybe four or five years younger than me. And they started like sending me messages, asking me questions and things like that. And I was like, oh, it's because my aunt is not telling them anything. And so I was able to see the difference. And they're more like their family is more like traditional, even more so than my dad's like household was. Wow. And so okay. um, I was like, oh, OK, I see how I could vividly see like the difference between like even those three households. Right. I was also raised. So my mom was a single mom. And so I spent a lot of time when I was like during the school year, I would spend a lot of time at like my friend's household and they were all yeah. different levels of like assimilation, I guess. Like they all had different levels of assimilation. And so seeing them yeah. and how they interacted with sex, I swear it was like a longitudinal study that I didn't even know I was doing. <laughs> um, right. But it was so interesting in just seeing like the different ways in which people were like able to speak about things, to ask about things. And then when me and my friends would talk about things or me and my cousins, and I'm like, oh, they don't know these things. I thought everybody knew these things. And right. um, so, yeah, I never really felt shame about that. And where it came for me was like, I felt like I had to choose between my culture and like my love for like sex and not in the act like the sense of like the act of sex but like I was just really curious about like the anatomy and like all of the things right. behind it everything that's involved and I really felt like I had to choose between my culture and sex because I was like oh well we don't do this as Mexicans so I guess I'm not supposed to right um mm. and so I was really I felt like really stuck in between for the longest time um, and then once I graduated, I was like, well, whatever, who cares? <laughs> so I'm just going to go. And I graduated high school and it was just like, oh, we're just going to do, I decided I wanted to do sex therapy. And then yeah. I realized that I didn't want to do sex therapy. And that ultimately led me into coaching. And I was like, okay, well, I can teach on my own. I can open my own business. And so I just was bored one day and decided to open a business. And here I am three years later. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
No, for sure. I honestly, the more I realize now, I, I feel like I, it's so relatable to me, the idea of being looked at as, as the black sheep. You know, um, one of the things I definitely broke the rules, one of the many rules, right? Um, Because your, your girl was a good student, but your girl was breaking rules. I mean, left and right, up and down, all around. And my mom, like, she loved my report card. And then she would see like my absences and clearly I was cutting class, but my grades were great. I, I will say that. Right. Um, I feel like one of the things for sure was, um, you know, DZ had like a boyfriend at a young age. And so the immediate assumption was, Oh, that's the boyfriend. She's going to get knocked up. She's going to get pregnant. This was going to always thinking like the worst, right? Like as if there was no opportunity, me realizing that I wasn't getting any sex education at home that I could possibly educate myself or I could possibly go and seek resources to educate myself. Right. Um, which for me, that did become a huge important factor for me, uh, realizing that even at a young age, choosing, right. Making a decision to have a certain experience that I wanted to learn. I wanted to be educated in this, right. Um, because I wanted to, make sure that for one, it was a piece of, well, I don't want to catch anything, right? I, I want to be careful. I want to be respectful to myself, like what I define to be respectful to myself, right? But I remember back then it was not really the process of, oh, discovering what's enjoyment, knowing what I know today, that's not what it was at all whatsoever, right? And so that's where I could definitely say, you know, there, there has been an evolution in that alone, right? It kind of like started with what that educational piece was, right? And that comfort level was. And then today, I can honestly say, okay, I got that down pack. Now it was more of a focus of what do I like? It's not so much what do I know, but it's more so what do I like, right? Realizing, oh, it's so funny, right? You know, I'm going to give TMI here. Y'all, your body changes. Like for us women, your body changes. As I like go to the, do like, am I losing it here? Like, does it, like, it's not as wet as before. Like I've had to ask like questions like that. And it's so much to it. It's so much to being comfortable in your body and understanding your body and learning that there could be so many other things happening around us to us, right? That can impact enjoyment, pleasure, the feeling that we could get. Um, so knowing, no, noticing today, right? How it started for me as a child. Um, for me, I like to hear what that looks like for everyone, um, that is interested in opening up a little bit to having the conversation, because I find that, that there might be something tied into that past. There might be something all the way down there from when we were children that just might be the thing that has us where we are today. Um, whether it is a feeling of shame or not, right? Um, for you, did you experience any hardship, like having to go between the two homes at all? Like even with, with that, realizing that what was comfortable in one may not have been so comfortable in the other in certain instances, was that difficult for you? Yeah, I think it was more of a sense of like, I guess belonging. And it was like, because I felt like I was two different people. Like I was like one person at my mom's and then I was like one person at my dad's and I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, and, yeah. and not that they, and obviously it was like totally in my head. <laughs> like, and it was just because of like, it would, it would be like you being raised with your parents, you know, for however many years and then maybe getting adopted by an entirely different family. And so it was just vastly different the ways in which like they ran their household and how they talked about things and all of that. And so I was like, okay, well, we don't ask questions here. And 
it, it was just like a sense of belonging because who I was at the core was to like ask a million and one questions every single day mm-hmm. um, and then go yeah. to not asking questions and just kind yeah. of being there and just being, <laughs> I guess is, yeah. is how you put it. Um, whereas like at my mom's house, like I had my grandma and so I was like constantly being like played with and talked to and all of those things. And not that I was like being ignored at my dad's, but it was just a very different um, scenario at my yeah, dad's than yeah. it was at my mom's. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go into the double or nothing because this is actually a perfect segue since we highlighted, right? Like certain things that you were able to learn with your mom versus, you know, the different scenario at dad's house, right? Uh, when we're thinking about the many different scenarios we can find ourselves in, in the double or nothing, this is where we kind of kick it up a notch a little bit. We make it a little bit more deeper and controversial here. Okay. I want to highlight what has been just in general, right? Because I know there is privacy to this, to respect with your clients. And like I said, in the show, we never incriminate anybody. Um, and we want to be mindful that that is a very vulnerable commitment too. So shout out to your clients. Let me just put that out there. It's a very vulnerable commitment for them to, to decide and say, I want to do this for me, you know, and that's a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. So if any of them are listening, (laughs) just shout out to you guys. Congratulations on, on taking that next step for yourselves. That's a beautiful thing. I want to highlight in this double or nothing. What have been the common things, the common scenarios you've seen that are troubling, right? Not just for women, but also let's say how that may look like for a couple, right? What are those troubling things when it comes to, for example, communication or just life is lifing? What what have you seen as common um, factors in, in that could be troubling for anybody really? Yeah. So I think the number one thing is not knowing your body, not knowing like what it's like, quote unquote, supposed to do. So many people think that they have problems and this is like men and women alike they believe that they have problems and then they come to me and ask me a question whether it be working with me or sending it in my dms and they're like hey i have this issue and then i actually give them the actual information because they have misinformation and it's like oh the problem is resolved because you were just somehow like googling it or i don't know what they were doing but somehow had the wrong information so i think a lot of it is misinformation not knowing their body Um, you mentioned mind reading earlier. And so a lot of people are under the assumption that they are great communicators because they just say what's on their mind. But communication is literally just sharing words. So whether that be a text, a letter, I don't know, post it on Facebook, whatever, or just verbally saying it, that is communication. Effective communication is what is important. So I was just telling my clients the other day, like, you could literally say exactly what it is that you want and someone could misinterpret that. And I, I like shared an example. So like my partner came home and he worked like a 16 hour day. So he came home and I met him at the door and I was like, Hey, you know, how was your day? Whatever. And he was like, Oh, do you want to go grab dinner? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, Oh, I wasn't expecting him to want to go get dinner after working 16 hours, but okay, fine. I was like, yeah, let me get dressed. So I go and get dressed and I come back and he's like going to get in the shower. And I was like, oh, where are you going to want to go? And he's like, what do you mean? I thought you said you were going to go pick up dinner. Like, oh, okay. I understood. I was like, yes, 
I will go order something and go pick it up and bring it home. But I understood that you wanted to go out for dinner. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, why would I want to do that? I was like, I thought it was weird too, but that's what I understood. So, you know, and so I was explaining to my clients that like, this is a perfect example of like, you could both be having a conversation and be on two completely different pages. So it's super important that you're clarifying what it is that your partner is saying to you, that you are like, even if you feel like you're over explaining, because there are a lot of people that are like, well, my partner should just know. No, that's not true because everybody is different. We have, we have this like assumption that every woman likes this thing and this certain way, and that's not true. And so if your partner is just treating, like basically what your partner is going to do, and I imagine women do this as well, is we get into a new partnership and we're like, okay, well, my last partner liked this, so I'm going to do this. Well, maybe right. your partner doesn't like the this that you're doing. And so you're probably not going to like what the last lady liked, right? And so it's super important that you are figuring out what it is that you want, trial and error. Um, and really explaining that to your partner as best as you can. Yes. Oh, I appreciate you saying that because I always say you have to communicate, right? But then it's like, well, what did you say? Mm-hmm. How did you say it, right? Uh, what did he say? Okay, this is what I heard. So mm-hmm. wh- what would you like? I, I, you know, one of the things I said recently to someone, I said, what would you like to say? And And the person said, I said, okay, what if you said it like this? Oh my God, that was so good. And I was like, <laughs> there's so many different ways to say the same yeah. thing, right? And 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 listen, I only know this because it only took a divorce for me to learn certain things, right? <laughs> like it did, yeah. but I'm okay, I'm okay with that because it unless unless you really like like look at it from the outside, like it's so easy to miss. And listen, even in dating, let, let me put the shit out there. Even in dating, like don't get it twisted. Some of these guys are like very difficult to date, but I realize even in the communication piece of it and the effective communication, it is so easy for people to make assumptions over mm-hmm. a simple decision as in, well, where do you want to go? What would you like to eat? You know, I'm getting to know you here. Let, let me get to, are you interested in this? Do you like this? Yeah, no, never. And it's like, okay, you got to give a little more here. Like that's, that's not giving me hints. That's just like helping me cross things out and I'm not getting any more options. I would like some more detail here to know what we can Mm do, you know? So even in that, in just a conversation, it is so easy to get lost either in assumptions of, well, I think this is what the person meant, or I'm assuming it's this, or even from the others that, well, you should know. Or like, mm-hmm. why don't you just come up with something? And fun fact, guys, it irks me. It irritates me. Pet peeve at some point. Like, I just, I can't do it. I just, I, I cannot do it. It's really hard for me um, to be able to maintain engagement in that. Um, and, and so I find it very difficult to date these days. But nevertheless, um, moving on from that, um, one of the things that I also want to highlight with this piece of conversation that I, I think it's so important too. And, you know, again, without giving too much detail, be respectful to your clients. I want to know if you have seen a lot of stigmatism still surrounding women and the comfortability with sex toys and how does the the opposite 
uh, their partner feel about that? Because I've had some experiences witnessing things and I'm wondering if you've encountered anybody who says, you know, I want to try this, but my partner's not going to be down for that. Like, do you still see that happening today? Yeah, totally. It's very common. And again, like if you want to do it and your partner does not, then that means that you just get to use it on your own, right? Because I, what I've really noticed is that, and this just, this doesn't just pertain to sex toys, this pertains to all the things, is that there's like this idea that if we ask for something in the bedroom, that it's automatically assumed that our male partner is going to be accepting of it. And if he's not, then that means that he's rejecting us. But if we don't want to do something that they want to do, that doesn't mean we're rejecting them. That just means we're rejecting what they want to do. Right. And so it's like, Mm. it's so weird to me that this is like happening. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure how it happens, but I always tell my clients that like, that is a form of manipulation if you're trying to convince your partner to do something. So it could be that your partner just is like, you know, has a big ego and it's like, no, I don't want to use sex toys. And if you want to use sex toys, you totally still can. You just maybe can't use them when you're having sex with your partner because that is their boundary. And any like convincing them otherwise would be manipulation. I also see a huge emphasis on like, oh, if I got this specific type of sex toy, then I would be able to orgasm. But again, like there are sex toys that do hit certain parts of your body that can, you know, promote orgasm, but it's not the toy because there are plenty of people that have orgasms with specific types of toys. And there are other people that still don't orgasm with that same toy and vice Mm -hmm. versa. Right. And so, again, it's not the toy. You don't need an, another external thing. You don't need another type of penis. You don't need another toy. Like you really just need to learn what you like and get more of that. Yes. I love that you're highlighting this so much, because let me just say, I, I when people ask me, like, I, I definitely I'm a fan of, of toys, but I am very selective with the toys. And I always say I try them because I know what I like. But I'm trying this out. If it don't work out, it don't work out for me to see if I feel comfortable with this toy, right? If it's at all amplifying my enjoyment. Because the way I am able to please myself is with myself. It's not necessarily with just the toys, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But I do like to have this conversation because some of the things I've witnessed, and this is throughout the years in no particular scenario, is, um, and, and definitely it's been in the Latino culture, it's been, you know, oh, if you go get a toy, then I'm not enough for you. And one of the things I've, I I used to be like, well, why would they think that? Like, what what is it behind that 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 makes them feel that way? And then I started to realize the same way, and I ask this question all the time, never to a man, but to myself. I wonder if it's a shame thing or an embarrassment thing ingrained in, in a man from maybe early on, or as they're being taught about sexuality as well. Is it something that they feel embarrassed about as opposed to being able to even have the conversation? Because I see a lot of rejection to it as in, well, if you want that, then you don't want me. And I've seen mm-hmm. that so much, right? And so if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about what it looks like in our community, we can't just talk about how it looks like for women. We also have to talk about how it looks like for men too. And I yeah, and I started totally. to realize 
recently, to be honest with you. What what is your insight on that or your opinion on that a little bit um, when, when it pertains to men? Yeah. So in recent years, like the idea, I say the idea, but it's a thing. The female orgasm is a thing, yeah, I promise. No, yeah, <laughs> but it it's is. Been, it's like more common knowledge, right? Like there actually is still people that are like, I don't know that that exists. And okay, fine, whatever. But it is more commonplace to talk about female pleasure, the female orgasm, all of that. And within that conversation, somehow we started abdicating that responsibility to a penis, right? Or to a toy. And that it's not us that's creating that pleasure. It's that thing. So either that penis or that toy. And within that, that creates a lot of pressure for men because it's not now it's like women are like expecting orgasms which is not a bad thing but when you are expecting your partner to give you one which is not what happens then Mm -hmm. it can be a lot of pressure for a man and their egos are very very weak unfortunately um so it is it is you know, a, a lot of pressure. Like if you were expected to make your man ejaculate every single time you had sex with him and it didn't just happen like it typically does, mm-hmm. then you would likely feel a lot of pressure as well, right? So I really think it is like the same messaging that women are getting that is preventing them from experiencing sexual pleasure on the regular is the same thing that is putting this pressure on men to like, make sure that their women are orgasming. Otherwise they're bad in bed or they're bad partners or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you just said that because if there's one thing I don't like, I perform very well working under pressure, like when there's a project due, but when it comes to sex, I don't like to feel pressure. I don't. Right. And so that is actually very truthful. Again, I don't incriminate anyone, but I've had experiences with partners where ejaculating is not that easy and it had nothing to do with me. And that was something that they felt comfortable enough to tell me, like, listen, I, I don't just, you know, I don't, I don't ejaculate quick. So don't think this is anything to do with you. Like I enjoy everything we're doing. I enjoy what you do, but this is just me. And I, I was grateful for that because at one point in the beginning, I was like, mm, am I, did I not, what's going on? You know, because I don't know, but it took conversation for me to understand, right? It's a conversation, open conversation, comfortable conversation to be able to share that because I could imagine, and looking back on it, you know, we were being very intimate here. That was a vulnerable moment for him to be able to share that with me, right? And so I appreciated that so much because you don't get that too often. Let me just say that. But uh, your girl right here does not like to feel pressure. I, I like to be open-minded. I like to try things. I like to be able to have conversation about it, um, to know what comfort looks like for another person. Right. Um, consent is very huge for me too. (laughs) Let me just put this shit out there. But, um, you know, I, I like to have the conversation. I do. I like comfort tremendously. I like comfort because I get a good feeling from comfort. It's a great feeling to be comfortable with someone. So that is very, very much so important to me. I want to have one last conversation with you on this topic a little bit more. Again, you know, on the double or nothing, we tend to uh, 
put it up a notch a little bit. Um, with the programs you offer, there are a lot of gems, right? Uh, the Sinvergüenza Symposium. I, I highlight that a little bit for me. How long is that program? Um, before I go into the last question with the double or nothing, how long is that yeah. program? So I just changed it. So it is a year long. It used to be six months. And I was like, oh, people are just warming up and they want more. So I do have people that are in like their second round now. Um, so it is a year long program. It's rolling enrollment. So every, you can essentially um, sign up whenever, but you start, you would start at the beginning of the month. So if you signed up, like what is today, March 27th, then the next start date is April 1st. Um, what comes after April? May, <laughs> May 1st, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, is there what what from you learning with this program? Because I love that it's it's this long, right? What what helped you make that decision to extend it? Right, you're just warming up. Like that, the journey could look so yeah. different for everyone, right? But what did you learn from offering this program to your clients? Yeah, so I initially, so it's always been six months up until recently, up until like this month, yeah. literally. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, so I had some people like decide they wanted to renew and I was like, okay, that's fine. They just want to continue on. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then I noticed that we are just getting into like, like there's amazing results happening and they're just, it's almost like they're just getting to the good part and then like in a movie or something, and then I'm going to shut it off. Right. It's like, they're just getting accelerated and getting going. And I'm like, oh, like oh. they, they want to keep going. Right. Like I have one client who, when she first started, didn't want to talk about sex, which is totally fine. I can totally coach you on sex without talking about sex. You can talk about whatever the hell yeah. you want to talk about. So yeah. she just started talking. She started in October of 2022 Dang. and she just started talking about sex. I want to say in January of this year. So I'm like, she just started getting coached on sex, which is amazing. And it's like, okay, it's almost as if you just started coaching. I mean, she has amazing results, like outside of like, you know, the bedroom, but it's like, you were here for sex. So to just give you six months almost doesn't seem fair. Mm -hmm. I also, um, so I also get coached. And so I signed up for two coaches for a whole year because that's what they happen to be offering. So I was like, all right, let's do this. And I was like, this feels so spacious. I don't feel like I have to rush. Not that six months is short by any means, but I don't feel like I have to rush. I'm also a person that like, I will get coached and like two weeks later be like, oh, that's what you were saying. And so I take a lot of time to process things. And so mm -hmm. I don't want my people to feel rushed as in like, oh, I have to figure this out so that I can go and ask questions about it or get further coaching on it. Right. I want people to be able to take their time and revisit topics over and over and over again. Um, yeah. And so it just feels really spacious. And so I was like, all right, it's a year. That is amazing. Also, because listen, this is a journey. So it's amazing that okay. you, you're doing this. This is like, this is a journey. Okay. And let me, let, let this be the episode where I say it because I started this show three years ago. Okay. I'm 37. So this started when I was 34. Okay. And you know, I swore I was in my prime. No, 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 no. Let me explain <laughs> something. I am still learning. I am still learning the way these days I feel so much joy and happiness and just feeling so calm and, and so like 
tender. That was not me. And so I know now, like I'm still not a, for example, when I think about physical touch, I'm still not a cuddler, right? But it's amazing how an act by someone can make you feel so good. And and I'm being now open-minded to that. I realized that I was more so a woman who enjoyed the words that were being said to me, right? Um, something of a compliment, right? Or a recognition. And not because I needed it, but it just felt good. And I'm discovering, right, more and more who I am today, right? And and how those changes are 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 setting into place, right? Um, and so I think it's just so amazing that you've been able to extend this pathway you know, for, for those who are choosing to embark on this journey, because the truth is time changes and we change, right. Um, both in mind, spirit, emotion, physical, like it, the, the entire body goes through so many changes. Right. And the only person who could really understand what Daisy is going through wholesome is Daisy. I am the only person who can understand that. Right. And, and, and it's, it's my responsibility to do that for me. It's, it's my commitment to me. It's my love for me. And so, um, to tie into that, how long the program is the last question I wanted to highlight in the double or nothing, what would you say, right? When it comes to, you know, the silent issue, I like to call it the silent issue, right? Um, you know, again, whether it's a couple or not, right. But what does that look like when someone feels like they're walking on eggshells, right? When they know something is there and, and, and it's bigger than just sex, because I'm a firm believer that it is like a domino effect in a lot of ways, both this way and this way, right? What would you say would be your best um, advice or suggestion even, right? When there's like that silence issue, when nobody's talking about things, but probably should. Um, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people just think it's just, well, you're not pleasing me. But then there's a slew of other things going on. What would you give as a suggestion or even as an advice to anybody who might be experiencing that right now? Yeah, definitely. I think it's about being honest with yourself. Like, what is it that you're feeling? Why are you feeling that way? Because I think a lot of times, like I see this with my clients all the time, like they will come to me and be like, well, I'm feeling a certain way. I'm like, well, why are you feeling that way? Well, I don't know. And or they say that they know, but they kind of don't. And so mm-hmm. it's get really honest with yourself like and that can be hard I don't I don't say that lightly but get honest with yourself why are you so upset what is going on and usually the first answer that you give is probably not it you probably need to dig a little bit deeper and don't allow yourself to say I don't know because I don't know how many times I hear I don't know a day like you do know You just don't want to admit it. And that's totally fine because admitting it can be scary, right? Acknowledging like, oh shit, I actually don't want to be with my husband, right? I had one of my clients say that she, when I first met her, she was going back and forth about whether or not she wanted to be with her husband. And I'm not going to tell her what to do because that's not my decision to make. And so I just held her space and allowed her, you know, to get out what she had to get out. And it turned out the end, every session that we talked, we would come back to, she wanted to leave him, but she wasn't ready to acknowledge like, no, I actually do want to leave him because that means now I have to find a different place to live. I have to do all of these things. Right. And like, Mm. that makes total sense, but really just allowing yourself to be honest with yourself, even if you don't act on it, right. Like just giving yourself the permission to be like, okay, I'm going to acknowledge this. 
I don't have to act on it, but I'm just going to acknowledge it first and see what happens. Oh, that is amazing. Because you know what? People would even be ashamed or afraid to even acknowledge that, right? To, to do, totally. like you said, to dig deeper, right? You, you don't even want to go in that direction. A lot of people won't do that. And you know what? I said it. Anna's going to read me for filth. That is exactly what I went through when I was deciding if I was going to stay in my marriage or not. And shout out to my ex-husband because we're friends today. But, um, you know, like I, I realized now it was every, oh my God, like I, that's what, that was the last time I gave a fuck about what anybody had to say about me, especially in our culture. Um, but it was definitely that like, oh my God, like the questions, right. That people are going to ask and mm-hmm. how do I say this? Do I need to tell people? I didn't even want to go that route. I tolerated so much and and continued on because I didn't even want to face that piece. So thank you for sharing that. I honestly, I didn't even know that's what Adam was going to say, but it's so crazy because that holds so much substance in itself. So thank you. Uh, We're going to go into the third segment. This is the last segment of the show. Uh, This is the overdose. And here I like to take this as an opportunity where we share something we are overjoyed with or completely over it. And the good part about the segment is that it could be about absolutely anything that doesn't even have to... to do anything with this. It could be about anything at all in your life or anything you saw or anything in the now. I don't know. You name it, but whichever feeling is 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 setting with you right now, if you can share with us during this third segment. Yeah. So I think uh since we talked about the symposium, um, I'm creating a new offer. And so I guess y'all are the first to know. Uh, so it does not have a name yet, (laughs) so maybe some people can help me come up with a name, but I'm going to provide texting support to individuals. So it's going to be a monthly thing. So essentially kind of like a monthly subscription membership type deal. So it's going to be $69 a month and you can, um, message me on WhatsApp. I have a business number. So, um, once you sign up, you'll get access to that. And then, um, basically you can get like on-demand coaching whenever you want. Um, you know, within my working hours, of course, but you just send a message. And because some people are more like, I don't, they're worried about sending me messages on like DMS or like email, things like that. Um, so I decided to create this, uh, service. And so it's open to anyone of any gender, any sex, um, because I typically only work with female clients. Um, so yeah. super excited to offer this. That is so dope. Also, because I love texting. Like, oh when I just have That's a quick question, <laughs> like, <laughs> my life is so much easier. And like, I'm that person. I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm that person. So that is like so dope. And I'm glad you're sharing this here. I, I mean, we're going to put all your information at the end of the show. Just know that. But, um, and in the notes, but I, I'm just so happy you're, you're, you know, Double Dose of Raw Talk always has guests that share something nobody knows yet. And I just <laughs> love that. I really do. It just, it brings me so much joy because you know what, this just, this just goes to show where your commitment is to this. This is so much bigger. Like I, I, I really, I, I advocate for this so much here. Yes. I've talked about my sexuality and, and feeling so free with it. It, but it's so much deeper than that. It, it's so much more. And, you know, I'll talk for days about my toys. I'll talk for days about that. But th- it's the same way I talk about where I am with my self-love journey and my and my emotional intelligence journey and my self-awareness. I, all of that is so much amp- amplified in my life because it's all 
ties into each other. My, my entire being um, is going on a journey right now. And so, yes, we can do, you know, the shits and giggles with one thing, but it's bigger than this. And I really hope people are taking this in and, and know that and, and that they're able to sit there and ask themselves that question, you know, for them and say, you know, hold on, is it just this part of my life? Is it all of this? Like, what is it? Right. And, and, and I hope, you know, the listenership and tell a friend to tell a friend. If you know any friend that could use this information, please share with them because you just never know. Um, shame, guilt is something very real. It mm-hmm. is something that, you know, I, like I said, I don't incriminate, but I know people who are dealing with the, with feeling embarrassed, who are dealing with feeling a, a bit of shame, but also that guilt piece that they're even feeling that to begin with. And it's because they never grew up having that comfort or that safe space to feel comfortable, right? And and to see a lot of them coping with things, you know, I told one of them, I said, I am going to have a coach coming on the show and you're going to listen to that show. And I want you to get comfortable even listening to that episode and, and go do some research and go find out a little bit more because not everything requires a therapist. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't want to go that route, right? Not everything requires you having to tell your whole family all your business. Maybe you need to take a different route to help you, to help your home, right? To help your partnership, but it begins with you. Um, and so this is why I wanted this here in this moment. And I'm so glad that you're expanding your gems into other programs that so many others can can turn to. And, and I'm so excited for you and to see how this is going to go. And the day I get remarried and I have another relationship, Anna, she's going to become my coach because I, I ain't trying to fuck this up and I'm going to try to get another divorce. I'm just saying, okay, I'm just not, I'm not. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on this platform and sharing so much insight. I would love for you to share with my listeners where they can follow you, where they can support you, where they can check out your programs on all social media platforms, because all of it is going to go into the show notes, but please do let my listeners know where they can follow you. Yeah. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all sex in Spanglish. So it's Spanglish with a G, not Spanish. Um, and I'm mostly on TikTok and Instagram, just an FYI. If you have any like questions or anything, you can send them that way. Or you can also send me an email, Anna at sexinspanglish.com. Um, I also have a podcast called Sex and Spanglish. So you could just look it up and it's there. Um, under the same name. Um, my program, La Sinvergüenza Symposium, which is the year-long program that we talked about. Um, again, that's rolling enrollment, but you can get on the interest list using um, the link in any of my bios on my social. I can also send you the link directly if that's easier to put yes. in the show notes. That's um, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So you can actually, on my link tree, you will find um, some free resources. Um, I have an ebook. Um, and then you'll also get, um, you'll be able to get on the interest list from there. And then um, you can also get on my email list, which is called Galosa Gossip for now. We're changing the name, but I'll be, let it be a surprise. Okay, we're going to get there. <laughs> um, but you can get, <laughs> you can get on my email list there. And that is where you will get all the information about the sex, sex, sex support that is uh, coming out um, in the next month. I love that just now. So, what did you call it? Sex, sex tech support. support. I was like, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> I, I love that. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. That just came out so naturally too. I, I love it. That was so dope. <laughs> 
I guess that that's what the name should be. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a great episode. Thank you for amplifying this with me. Thank you for giving us insight on so many different angles with this conversation and definitely oh. for my listeners again tell a friend to tell a friend you never y'all the way i've discovered you just never know who could need this or mm-hmm. or or use this for for greater benefit please share um please go follow anna you are definitely teaching a lot of us you are yeah you're i will say it one last time though those hot takes I, a few of them have made me like sit in front of the mirror <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Heard you. Like I've had to think about this. Do I, how do I submit my answer? Let me think about this real quick. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. I have, I have no shame and I'm idiot here. Here we just keep it all the way wrong. Um, but as always guys, this has been another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk podcast. I am your host Misty and you guys will tune in next week. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And we are live on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe, rate, and review. Talk to you later. Bye.